0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 123. Today's big Bible question is, can a Christian be depressed? So hello, friends, and a happy Thursday to you. Bit of a heavy topic today, depression, but I think there's much hope in the Word when we go beyond the surface. This will be a continuing series for us also And like our discussion of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, it'll kind of be spread out over a few episodes that aren't consecutive as we go through the Psalms. As we go through Hebrews, we're going to talk about perseverance of the saints. As we go through Psalms, we're going to talk from time to time about depression. Today's scripture readings includes Numbers chapter 7, which is the longest chapter we've read thus far on the Bible Reading podcast. And it's actually the fourth longest chapter overall in the entire English Bible. Do you know what the first longest is? Yes, that's right, Psalms 119. We're also going to be reading Psalms 42 and 43, Song of Solomon 5 and Hebrews 5. So our big Bible question of the day is, can a Christian be depressed? I'm going to go ahead and give you my answer up front. The answer is yes. Uh, I believe the Bible shows that and I believe church history shows that. Medical doctor and Christian author John Lockley says, being depressed is bad enough in itself, but being a depressed Christian is worse. And being a depressed Christian in a church full of people who do not understand depression is like a little taste of hell. Now, Psalms 42 is our focus passage today, and it is a wonderful psalms full of soaring emotion that goes up and down i'm finding greater and greater personal appreciation of the psalms as we're reading through them together on the during this quarantine i generally do the podcast late at night once the kids and my wife are in bed so like right now it's 12:17 a.m. pacific standard time one of my kids is up a bit of a night owl there her uh, but everybody else i think is in bed And so my usual pattern is, it takes a couple hours, I finish quite late, take a walk outside, wind down, and eventually go to bed. I find that the Psalms that I read the night before for the podcast have been occupying my thoughts in the morning in a good sort of way, and it's been very fruitful to reread the Psalms from the previous night's reading first thing as I'm waking up. Usually I'll hit the alerts on my phone, see who's called and texted, and you know, whatever news there is. Honestly, prior to this year, I usually would do that first. Not always, but usually. But of late, I think the Lord has led me to first and foremost focus on the Word of God in the morning, and the Psalms have been wonderful for that. They're such a wonderful expression of thoughts, prayers, and praises to God. I find that as I'm reading through them, and look, I've read them before, but they're teaching me to pray and worship utilizing the words of Scripture more and more. So consider the powerful emotions and the wording that we see in Psalms 42. Let's just read a little clip, a little snippet of it, 3 through 6. My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Now you can see where we get our focus question for the day right here and the Holy Spirit-inspired words of the Scripture, the psalmist, right after he says something so hopeful and wonderful, he notes that he's depressed, and that tears have been his food all day long. Now, I'll say this, uh, as I've said many times before, reading the Bible really dispels any uh, of the kind of notions that you might have that the Word of God is full of the kind of sunshine-pumping Pollyanna-ish Your best life now kind of faith that is so often proclaimed by televangelists and famous, you know, Christians on various uh, Christian TV channels. The Word of God is genuine, authentic, it's deep, and it's not fluffy. It's not Pollyanna-ish. It's not shallow. It reflects the real anguish and pain of being an actual living and breathing human. Yes, it's absolutely a hopeful book, but it's not a sunshine pumping book that's just overloaded with optimism. It's actually very gritty and real. This, this passage, Psalms 42, it's really one of the most honest and genuine passages in the Bible. And look, there's dozens and dozens, hundreds of those, but most of us are unfamiliar with this kind of grit and depth and, I don't know, I keep using the word genuine and authentic, but we're unfamiliar with this kind of stuff in the Bible. I honestly blame preachers for that, and I am a preacher, so I'm not casting aspersions too hard, but... They, we, tend to avoid passages like Psalms 42 and negative things and really just focus on positive and encouraging things. Look, I want to be as encouraging and positive as the next guy, but I do want to be real. I do want to truly reflect the truth of the scriptures. So as we read through Psalms 42, note the switch in tone. We just saw it in between verse 5 and 6. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God. Then the next thing out of his mouth is, I am deeply depressed. Man, it's almost like a bipolar sort of switching from joy to depression. And you see it too in verse eight and nine. And honestly, look, this is so characteristic of us. At least it is of me. I can be full of faith and hope and love in one breath and then a, a, a little brief storm of anxiety or fear or whatever hits, and I flip-flop. I don't like that about myself, but I, I know enough about people to know I'm not the only one. And look here in Psalms 42, 8 and 9. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's depre- oppression? So, if you have ever had this kind of jarring flip-flop from faith to fear and back again, you're not alone. It's happened to many of the spiritual giants in the Bible, and it's happened to many of the spiritual giants throughout history, and it's certainly happened to me. Let's go read Psalms 42 and 43, and then come back and briefly discuss the possibilities of a Christian being depressed. Psalm 42, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send His faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones, while all day long they say to me, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, God, and champion my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from the deceitful and unjust person, for you are the God of my refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Then I will come to the altar of God, to God my greatest joy. I will praise you with a liar, God my God. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. So, if you define depression in a general, and sort of a vague way, maybe something like depression is an extended and persistently depressed mood. Keeping in mind that I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I think you'll find that several giants in the Bible, spiritual giants, qualify as depressed. The sons of Korah, authors of our Psalms today, and others count, uh, as does Elijah, Moses, who were both mighty men of God that were so downcast that they told God that they were ready to die. Jeremiah also fits that bill, wishing he hadn't even been born, and honestly worse. Man, that guy went through some darkness. Ezekiel probably too. How about Hannah in First Samuel 1? She declares that she is a woman with a broken heart. King David in Psalm 69 and other Psalms also went through several periods of what I think we would call depression. You know, it's not... It's, it's medically difficult to look back on a, a book of, of history like the, or a book of, like the Bible and say, oh, that person was depressed. That person wasn't depressed. I realize it's not that simple, but just keeping with a general and basic understanding of depression, you see it all, all, all throughout the Bible. And you definitely see it all throughout church history. What about giants of the faith like Charles Spurgeon, one of my heroes? He says this. I am the subject of depressions of spirit so fearful that I hope none of you ever have to get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. How about this? He also said, it's all very well for those who are in robust health and full of spirits to blame those whose lives are sickly or covered with the pale cast of melancholy, which is what people in the 1800s and prior times called depression, but The malady is as real as a gaping wound and all the more hard to bear because it lies so much in the region of the soul that to the inexperienced it appears to be a mere matter of fancy and diseased imagination. Reader or listener never ridicule the nervous and hypochondriacal. Their pain is real, though much of the malady lies in the imagination or thought processes. It is not imaginary. How about John Piper? Another one of my heroes of the faith. Piper said this in a sermon a few years ago I cannot tell you how many hundreds of times, that's a lot, hundreds of times in the last 28 years pastoring at Bethlehem, I have fought back the heaviness of discouragement with these very words Hope in God, John, hope in God. You will again praise him. This miserable emotion will pass. This season will pass. Don't be downcast. Look to Jesus. The light will dawn. Piper says it was so central to our way of thinking and talking in the 80s that we put a huge hope and guide sign on the outside wall of the old sanctuary and became known around the neighborhood as the Hope in God Church. So can a Christian have depression or be depressed? Look, you bet they can. I see nothing in Scripture that would lead me away from that conclusion and volumes in Scripture that affirm it. If you are now fighting depression, know that you are not alone. Many saints in the Bible and throughout church history also waged war against depression. I do not have an easy antidote for you, and if I did, you shouldn't trust me. Because some things don't have easy antidotes. I don't have a fake cure-all. I do want to close out, though, in a hopeful sort of way. Because God's Word is full of hope for those who are fighting depression. And this is one of the most hopeful promises in Scripture for you if you are going through gales of depression right now. Psalm thirty-eight, thirty-four, eighteen. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. Now, I can't think of a better description of what it feels like to be depressed than crushed in spirit. And good news, God saves the crushed in spirit. He's near the brokenhearted. I'd also like to recommend a book called Christians Get Depressed Too by a guy named David Murray. I believe David Murray is a Scottish man. He's an excellent writer, great guy. I'm a, kind of a fan of his. Um that's a great book you ought to look into if depression is one of your fights. Get Christians Get Depressed Too by David Murray. It's on Amazon. Now I do realize that this is a short commentary, but don't despair about that. This will be a topic we return to fairly regularly as we go through the Psalms. So stay tuned for that. And that gets us to the giant chapter of Numbers 7, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. On the day Moses finished setting up the tabernacle, he anointed and consecrated it and all its furnishings, along with the altar and all its utensils. After he anointed and consecrated these things, the leaders of Israel, the heads of their ancestral families, presented an offering. They were the tribal leaders who supervised the registration. They brought as their offering before the Lord six covered carts and twelve oxen, a cart from every two leaders, and an ox from each one, and presented them in front of the tabernacle. The Lord said to Moses, Accept these from them to be used in the work of the tent of meeting, and give this offering to the Levites to each division according to their service. So Moses took the carts and oxen and gave them to the Levites. He gave the Gershonites two carts and four oxen corresponding to their service, and gave the Merarites Four carts and adoxin corresponding to their service "'under the direction of Ithamar, son of Aaron the priest. "'But he did not give any to the Kohathites, "'since their responsibility was service-related "'to the holy objects carried on their shoulders. "'The leaders also presented the dedication gift "'for the altar when it was anointed. "'The leaders presented their offerings "'in front of the altar. "'The Lord told Moses, "'Every day have one leader present his offering "'for the dedication of the altar.' The one who presented his offering on the first day was Nashan son of Amminadab, from the tribe of Judah. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds and one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel. Both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl re- weighing four ounces full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering. One male goat for a sin offering and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Neshan, son of Aminadab. On the second day, Nathanel, son of Zuar, leader of Issachar, presented an offering. As his offering, he presented one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds and one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl, weighing four ounces full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Nathanel, son of Zuar. On the third day, Eliab, son of Helon, leader of the Zebulonites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds and one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pound, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl weighing four ounces full of incense, one young bull, one run ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Eliab, son of Helon, On the fourth day, Eleazar, son of Shador, leader of the Reubenites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds and one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl weighing four ounces full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Elizer son of Shadur. On the fifth day, Shilum, Shilumiel, son of Zerushadai, leader of the Simeonites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds, one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl weighing four ounces full of incense, one young bull, one lamb, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Shilomiel, son of Zerushadai. On the sixth day, Eliasaf, son of Deoel, leader of the Gadites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds, one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl weighing four ounces full of incense, One young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Eliasaph, son of Deuel. On the seventh day, Elishema, son of Amihud, leader of the Ephraimites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds, one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour. Mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl weighing four ounces, full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, two bulls to five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Elishama son of Amihud. On the eighth day, Gamaliel, son of Petazor, leader of the Menasites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds, one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pound, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl weighing four ounces full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Gamaliel, son of Petazor. On the ninth day, Abaddon, son of Gideon, leader of the Benjamites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds, one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering. One gold bowl weighing four ounces full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Abaddon, son of Gideon. On the tenth day, Ahazar, son of Amashida, leader of the Danites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds, one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel shekel, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl weighing four ounces full of incense. One young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Ahetzer, son of Amashaddai. On the eleventh day, Pagiel, son of Ochran, leader of the Asherites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds, one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold bowl weighing four inches, four ounces full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Pagiel, son of Ochran. On the twelfth day, Ahira, son of Enan, leader of the Naphtalites, presented an offering. His offering was one silver dish weighing three and a quarter pounds and one silver basin weighing one and three quarters pounds, measured by the standard sanctuary shekel, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering. One gold bowl weighing four ounces full of incense, one young bowl, one ram, one male lamb a year old, one for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old for the fellowship sacrifice. This was the offering of Ahira, son of Enan. This was the dedication gift from the leaders of Israel for the altar when it was anointed. Twelve sil- silver dishes, twelve silver basins, and twelve gold bowls. Each silver dish weighed three and a quarter pounds, and each basin one and three quarters pounds. The total weight of the silver articles was 60 pounds measured by the standard sanctuary shekel. The 12 gold bowls full of incense each weighed 4 ounces measured by the standard sanctuary shekel. The total weight of the gold bowls was 3 pounds. All the livestock for the gold burnt offering totaled 12 bulls, 12 rams, and 12 male lambs a year old with their grain offerings and 12 male goats for the sin offering. All the livestock for the fellowship sacrifice totaled 24 bulls, 60 rams, 60 male goats, and 60 male lambs a year old. This was the dedication gift for the altar after it was anointed. When Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim. He spoke to him that way. Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 1. I have come to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gather my myrrh with my spices. I eat my honeycomb with my honey. I drink my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink, be intoxicated with caresses. I was sleeping, but my heart was awake. A sound, my love was knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is drenched with dew, my hair with droplets of the night. I have taken off my clothing. How can I put it back on? "'I've washed my feet. How can I get them dirty?' "'My love thrust his hand through the opening, and my feelings were stirred for him. "'I rose to open for my love. My hands dripped with myrrh, "'my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. "'I opened to my love, but my love had turned and gone away. "'My heart sank because he had left. I sought him, but did not find him. "'I called him, but he did not answer.' The guards who go about the city found me. They beat me and wounded me. They took my cloak from me, the guardians of the walls. Young women of Jerusalem, I charge you. If you find my love, tell him that I am lovesick. What makes the one you love better than another, most beautiful of women? What makes him better than another that you would give us this charge? My love is fit and strong, notable among ten thousand. His head is purest gold, his hair is wavy, and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside flowing streams, washed in milk and set like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, mounds of perfume. His lips are lilies dripping with flowing myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with beryl. His body is an ivory panel covered with lapis lazuli. His legs are alabaster pillars set on pedestals of pure gold. His presence is like Lebanon, as majestic as the cedars. His mouth is sweetness. He is absolutely desirable. This is my love and this is my friend, young women of Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he is also clothed with weakness. Because of this, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the people. No one takes this honor upon himself. Instead, a person is called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. Also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you've become too lazy to understand. Although, by this time you ought to be teachers— You need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with this message about righteousness because he is an infant, but solid food is for mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Amen. That was the word of the Lord. And Brothers and sisters, may we go on to be needing solid food and not mere milk. As the word of God matures in us and builds us up in the most holy faith. God bless you and God speed.